0: Hey everybody, what's up? This is Rojan. Today's date is March 5th, 2017, and we have the weekend off. Or at least I do. I was just informed by Lobo that him and Shelley are going to be recording another episode of The Spark, and we'll see where that takes us when it comes out. But as for this week, what we're going to do is we're going to run a best of show, which is really cool to be able to say that because we have reached a point where we have so many shows in our back catalog that we can finally start posting old episodes. Here's the thing, when we moved from our old server to the new server, and we're on the new page and so forth, we lost a lot of our old shows. Fortunately, I saved all of them in our back catalog. And what that means is, is from time to time, when we have a weekend off, I'm gonna take some of our old shows and I'm gonna repost them. Now, for you old guys that have been around for a little while, I guess just bear with us. For the new people, these are shows that are going to be new for you because you haven't heard them before. I know, simple logic. Uh, this show is episode number 139. It was recorded back in 2015, and we interviewed David Metcalf, who is a blogger, a writer, and so forth. And we did a show with him about the cult of Santa Morte, which isn't really a cult, but it kind of is. And if you don't know about it, it's basically um, the saint of death, which is worshipped down in South America. It's beginning to make its way into America itself. And uh, it's it's kind of spreading all over the world. I won't go into too much detail about it but because of, that's what the interview is for. Um, Another thing is that I'm just letting everybody know that the next month that's coming up is going to be kind of weird with shows because there's a couple of shows that Lobo isn't going to be able to make it to because he's got a bunch of prior commitments and so forth. And we're all about family and taking days off when it's necessary. And I think the next actual best of show is going to be hopefully the first weekend of April. But anyways, um, we're going to move on with the show here. This is David Metcalf, (laughs) David Metcalf, I'm sorry, with the Cult of Santa Morte.
1: If you really are God, you'll get me tickets to that game!
2: the ho, neighbor! Wanna go to the game with me? I got two tickets! Uh, why do you mock me, oh lord? Oh my, that's not God! That's just a waffle that Bart tossed up there! Oh, I know I shouldn't eat thee, but. Oh, mm, Sacrilecious. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious. The unexplainable. That is why you are here.
0: What's up, folks, and welcome back from uh, recovering from our Joseph (laughs) Mithy, John (laughs) Teeter. expedition, which I have a lot to say about that. None of it bad, Uh, but we'll go through that at the end of the episode. Good things. All good things, funny things, Um, funny things, even though there were some bad things, which I'm able to just laugh at. Uh, But anyways, this week we're going to be doing a show with David Metcalf, and uh, Metcalf is going to be joining us to talk about La Morte, the patron saint of death worshipped in Mexico and now parts of the United States. It's slowly migrating into this country. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to cover it from different aspects. The patron saint of death is usually viewed uh, as the patron saint of drug lords, the drug war, um, but it's also worshipped by the downtrodden and so forth. Um, David does all kinds of stuff. He writes for Reality Sandwich. He writes for Remnants. He's very much into the esoteric. Um, and after this show, I, I promise you he will be back on the show. Mm-hmm. This is a really great interview that we had with him. Um, this is a little bit different than you may have heard about shows about uh, LaMorte and other programs and podcasts and stuff. Uh, a great uh, one to go with this would be one that Tim Benall did a while ago. You can still find it in the uh, BOA, Benall of America podcast, with I think it was Tim Kale. Um, God, I can't remember. That was such... How long ago was that show? A while ago. Two years ago or something like that? I
2: want to say at least two.
0: It's been a probably a year and a half, maybe two years since I actually heard that show. But there's one out there. If you like this one, go out and find that one. Um, but we do take this one into a little bit of a different direction than that podcast goes. So that one is a nice uh, a compliment to this one. So without further ado, let's just jump into the interview. David will explain who he is and what he does. And we'll see all you guys at the other side.
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right. So tonight we are joined by David Metcalf. Dave, your resume is far huge and extreme. Um, so why don't you give us the background of who you are and
1: what you do? Sure. Uh, the short and easy answer, I guess, is I'm a, a researcher and artist that kind of works with uh, liminal culture, uh, so cultures on the fringes. Um, I work with reality sandwich as a contributing editor and I cover psychical research for them. Um, but I also do a lot of work with uh, different kind of a uh, cultural topics. And one of my major projects right now is with Dr. Andrew Chestnut. Um, and we're studying the growth of Santa Muerte, uh, the tradition of Saint death that's coming up in the Americas.
0: Okay. Um, your knowledge base on all of this stuff is very extreme. I've been following you here and there all over the internet because you are, you are all over the – I don't want to say the seedy underside of esoterica. That's kind of a bad way to put it. But it seems like if there's anything to do with any kind of like alchemy or any of these folk magics or um, alternative belief systems, you are in some way or another have written on it or are associated with it.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's definitely – that's a good – I think CDN. decides <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> the cooler side of life. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stuff that's not normally discussed on, say, Christianmingle.com. <laughs>
1: <Right>. uh, <laughs> Although, who knows? I mean, the back rooms, you know, I mean, Christian yeah, and really. get, pretty funky and get some.
0: <laughs> that would be like the ultimate place to set up a whole dummy organization to pull this off. Man, know? I'll
1: tell you what. Well, I, I actually, that was, it's funny you say that. I did that. Uh, I actually did an academic uh, piece on the Christian exorcism tradition in the popular sense mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of the political relevance of that. And that research got pretty weird. I mean, looking at, uh, I saw it from Walmart in the Walmart section, you get these books on spiritual warfare and that, and if you actually look at them, you know, the grimoire tradition and a lot of the folk magic traditions come out of the Christian exorcist tradition and some of these contemporary Pentecostal and charismatic books, uh, you know, they're, they're for a Christian market, but I mean, they're straight, occultism. It's pretty amazing.
0: I've noticed that about... I I don't like this... This isn't a derogatory thing about Christianity, but I've noticed that Christianity is kind of a conquer and devour religion where it's like, if we can't convert you into our religion, then we'll just incorporate your beliefs to make them fit what we need it to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. So,
0: I think you're seeing a lot more of that now than people actually realize. If you're on the outside looking in, you can see it a lot more if you're more versed in the ways of these things. And that if... That's, that's something that I think like a lot of people in Christian theology are afraid to do is to step outside of their belief system and look at everything else in comparison to what they do. Um, it's kind of like if you're only living in America and you only watch whatever's on regular or commercially available news, that's all you know about the world. Right. Whereas right. if you leave the country and go abroad and you learn and see other things and you say, wow, maybe I'm not getting the whole picture of what's being presented to me. Right. Yeah, right. So that's <laughs> that's how I've always thought of it myself, and I've had these kind of discussions with people like that, and they just kind of immediately tune me out. And they're like, "No, no, you're you're wrong," you know. Um, but that is the way of things, I guess. So we have you on here to talk about Santeria. i I'm curious as to how as you got into San, yes, Santorías. <laughs> Thank you. It's a many he Santa's here. We're here to talk yeah. about Santa Claus La Muerte, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm curious. How did you get into all of this stuff? I mean, you 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 live down in the Bible Belt area, I'm assuming, correct? Am I right well, about
1: that? I'm actually. I'm from Chicago right now. I'm living okay. in. I'm living outside of Atlanta though. Yeah, so I am down in the the deep South right now. That must be um, fun
0: for what you do, Atlanta
1: yeah hotlanta yeah it actually it was amazing moving down here was uh it was cool to find actual living traditions and that kind of stuff um that weren't associated with uh pop culture i mean there was meeting folks that did like folk magic but they were they learned it from you know their family and stuff like that that was definitely a cool thing um with the santa muerte stuff i got into it because i was uh was working i started working, uh, right out of college at this, I don't know, it was a marketing agency, but the guy who was running it was kind of quirky and he actually hired me. Um, my interview question was, do you know what social engineering is? And, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, that's people hacking. He was like, okay, you're hired. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it, you know, it was, it was an interesting job. And essentially what he had me doing was just trend spotting. And he gave me, he paid me to experiment. So I was watching the news a lot, and wait, uh, he paid you
0: to experiment on people? So freaking awesome!
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, like he would give me a call list and be like, "Okay, you know, get these people to sign up for seminars. However, you can do it. Like whatever you want." And I mean, it was it literally was just experimenting. Like, does this work? I would I would actually at the beginning of it ask people like, "Okay, well, what what did you hate about this phone call?" And they were like, "Why are you asking me? This? You know, it was, I could get You're weird." You're calling with me. It. That's could, part of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, but and then. uh <laughs> So I was given a lot of, I was given a lot of just freedom with this job. So one of the things was he had me researching the news and it was around the time that Santa Muerte was coming out in, uh, U S media. Um, know, it was probably around like 2005. I think there was a military, um, report on Santa Muerte's growth. And, uh, so I came across this, this, these pictures of people in mexico city you know uh with this death saint with this grim reaper statues that they were carrying through the streets and i was like this is incredible you know my background scholarly background is in comparative religions and cognitive philosophy so seeing a living death cult in mexico city it was it really blew my mind and that was 2005 um round up to 2012 uh, Andrew Chestnut, who's the Chair of Catholic Studies at Virginia Commonwealth University, he had put out a book called Devoted to Death and uh, I was working with The Revealer, which is uh, the Religion and Media Studies Journal out of New York University and I was uh, doing some book reviews and stuff with them. So I contacted Andrew uh, to talk about his book because one of the things <laughs> I was really impressed with was that he, it was the first time I'd seen someone covering uh, and I, uh, something as intense as Santa Muerte and being as objective and sympathetic as he was while still maintaining kind of a scholarly approach to it. Um, he wrote about her as she, you know, she has these followers. It was very, the way he writes about the, the tradition was very sympathetic. Um, but it wasn't, you know, he didn't, Didn't try to hide the darker aspects of it. Um, He was honest about it, but he wasn't dismissive of it as a lot of the the coverage had been. So I was really impressed with that, and I wanted to talk to him. Uh, I did an interview with him, and then we actually got asked by uh, the Morbid Anatomy Library up in Brooklyn to come up and do a presentation on her uh, for Morbid Anatomy. And that kind of led into uh, working together on SkeletonSaint.com. And really getting, you know, he was already immersed in the research, but for me, putting a more official seal on it and getting me really involved with um, talking to some of the devotees and kind of doing some groundwork in doing research in the United States to go to different botanicas. Um, A botanica is like a a shop that caters to uh, Santeria and uh, different uh, Latin American folk traditions. So going and seeing the spread there and, and, you know, getting more serious with the research.
0: Well, I guess we should start from square one um, and say, what is Santa Muerte?
1: Basically, it's Saint Death. Okay. So that is the official translation of Santa Muerte is Saint Death. She's also known as uh, Santisima Muerte, which is Most Holy Death. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. It's a a female Grim Reaper figure that has come up as a, a figure of devotion in Mexico. And uh, now spreading throughout Latin America and throughout the United States and actually going into Europe. um, There's devotees in the Philippines, there's devotees uh, in Britain, um, up into Canada. So really getting kind of a global recognition. Um, And one of the things, it is a female Grim Reaper figure. A lot of people kind of conflate that with it being a goddess. Um, but one of the interesting things about Santa Muerte is that she is not a goddess. It literally is death. So, um, there's no, it's not a God force. It's not a God figure. It's not, uh, you know, you, a lot of in the people coming from a kind of like a cult background may want to put some kind of like. Golden Dawn God form idea onto her. No, the devotees that worship Santa Muerte in the traditional sense, it is literally death. There is no, you know, it's not a goddess. It's not a anything outside. So it's not of just like the darker death. side
0: of the Virgin Mary or something no, like that.
1: No, no, yeah, it is death. It's just okay. straight death. <laughs> it's just straight up death.
0: So, okay, right off the bat, that immediately leads to dark connotations of you know worshiping death. I mean. It's tied into it's tied into Catholic Catholicism, correct? That doesn't sound like a proper term, but that's the only way I know yeah, how to say
1: it. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a, it comes out of a folk Catholic tradition. Um, you know, she's a an unofficial saint. Obviously, she's not uh, the cat. The actual Orthodox Catholic Church considers it a satanic practice. Um, they use a really kind of sloppy theology on that, saying that death was uh, defeated by Christ, and so therefore, worshiping death is. Um, Satanic. Oh, it goes um, both ways. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's, you know, just yeah, kind but of that a. That
2: doesn't really make any sense if you really think about it, because isn't death hearkened by Gabriel?
1: Yeah, and, you know, and honestly, <laughs> the, the way that the, the, the devotees that are, are working with her, um, and that, that's another thing too, is, is the idea of worshiping death. Um, it's fascinating to see, you know, when you get into these folk saints, uh, the relationships are not it's a different kind of relationship than you'd think it's not really worship and even actually in catholicism the saints the devotions that you pay to saints it's not worship um so it's coming out of that kind of more of a, a working with them uh you know they help you it's more of a a relational sort of thing than an actual I worship say you're you're you're
0: you're not worshiping so much the scene of death. You're ask, asking her to intercede on in behalf of you to God, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that—that's one of the interesting things on our more Christian side um, of the devotions. She's seen as the last person who brings Christ to death to, to God, right? So she's second only to God because Christ had to pass through death to go to God. You know, before he was resurrected. So
0: oh, okay. You know, I, I can this, see that. I can, I can well, see what the it would make idea sense
1: is. that she would hold such a position, you see death every day. Right, right, exactly. You know, and that's especially in Mexico City. I mean, the crime rate is crazy. Yeah. And some of this stuff, you know, I, I, I did a recent um, – a recent article where i included some pictures from what's going on in the borders i mean some of the decapitations and some of the narco killings it's incredibly violent down there right now and uh, before
0: the show went on i was just telling loba i was down there a couple of years ago i was down in uh Hermosolo in san carlos um and i had seen a shrine to uh senti morte in san carlos in the back room of this burrito shop but we had a layover in mexico city and that night before they had killed seven police officers beheaded them and tied them to chairs out in front of the police department right and uh i mean right. it was in the newspapers they showed the bodies in the newspapers and everything they showed him sitting in the chairs beheaded i was like wow you know this is this this is not america for sure
1: right um, fortunately, well it is america i mean that's the thing it, that, that's another interesting thing about it is you know i see a lot of people in the u.s are like um You know, like, oh, that's in Mexico. Like, no, that's in America. Like, Mexico's part of America, you know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And I think that's an interesting thing that I've really seen with her spread up here is the the way the media um, deals with Mexico or deals with South America and Central America. Um, Andrew and I have been able to Mm -hmm. do a lot of kind of like innovative um, get the story first kind of stuff simply by translating from Spanish to English because a lot of journalists won't take the time to uh you know read something in spanish so there's stuff that goes on right over the border of texas you know right in mexico right in that that border area like matamoros where there's mexican military moving on Santa Muerte shrines in matamoros and that's literally right over the border of texas mm-hmm. and there's no mention in the u.s media there's tanks <laughs> there's like mexican military tanks Coming up, doing military actions right on the border. No mention of it because it's written about in Spanish, and nobody even in Texas is writing about it in English. You know, it's it's amazing. It's kind of crazy the with Dubai. the whole
0: America. You know, we gotta guard ourselves. We are
2: a form. very insular country, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so basically. Why why do people worship death then? What's the whole point behind it? Because I, from what I've seen of it, it is known as jokingly referred to as the patron saint of the drug of the drug war.
1: Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of that was an interesting thing. I um, I wrote uh, one of the articles I did for Skeleton Saint was critiquing some of the media, um, the mainstream media coverage of that kind of narco saint idea. A lot of that's being pushed politically. Um, A lot of that's being pushed to kind of make Mexico look like this drug, you know, narco hell to kind of like, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think there's, you know, there's some, it's that America kind of idea, you know, I mean, this idea of Mexico is this like dirty, you know, narco, uh, just narcos everywhere controlling the whole thing. It's kind of covering up the fact that a lot of the corruption down there is political. Um, you know, I mean, there was a recent, the case of the, the students who were, who went missing and it turned out that the, the mayor's wife was one of the people calling hits. On, I mean, it's, it's incredibly corrupt down there. Um, the, uh, the reason that people worship her, um, she's really more a patron saint of the dispossessed. Um, the, the prevalence of uh the kind of drug trade and that kind of stuff. It's when you get into, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you go to high school in America, you know, a drug dealer, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And yeah. the way that they kind of portray that in the the media with Santa Muerte is, Oh, well, these people are around the drug. Well, it's like everybody's around the drug trade. You know what I mean? Like this is, we live, <laughs> we, I mean, come on. Like it's, so it's, you know, the way that the way that they portray it, it's as if, you know, mm-hmm. this is this totally hidden separate side of life. Um, when in reality, if you're I mean, most people know people who you know have something to do with the drug trade, so no, not me, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or maybe not, you know, not obviously not us, but none of us do, but you know, I, I uh, was I'll sleeping with a drug dealer, so I got nothing.
0: I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're, a, you're a recovering addict, so you got no laws, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I it's just it's interesting with the way they portray that, but I mean, she's really she's uh. She's a symbol of life. I mean, down there, the idea is essentially uh, a lot of people pray to her to have death held back or to have a good death. You know, I mean, if death is going to come for me, like, please be good. Or, you know, she's a she's known as a healer. A lot of what she's known for in her miracles is being a a figure of health and healing um getting people over addictions there's a lot of stories of santa Muerte coming to people who are in the throes of addiction and um you know she kind of gives them a last chance and gives them an out for it you know and, and provides that healing um so and one of the funny thing is originally at least within the like the twenty the early twentieth century version of her, from like the nineteen forties uh, up through maybe like the eighties, she's known as a love magician, and that's still her her main function in terms of sales of candles and devotional devotional products is her role as the patroness of uh, abused women and women who want to uh, you know have some kind of their husbands go off and cheat or something like that, you know, and they want their husbands back. That
0: reminds me of something. Not to cut you off, but I remember this just popped into my head. There was a story that happened. I believe it was last year where there was a situation where bus drivers were raping women or something like that on these buses after hours. And there was a story of this woman that was going around and killing bus drivers. Um, I'm not sure if it's an urban legend or not, but it's a very strongly held belief down there um, that, that the, the, these bus drivers would rape women and then there's a person that goes out and kills them. And it tied into this where the the story was that whoever was doing this was worshiping uh, Santa, Santa, uh, Santa morte. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know if you heard about that, or not, but I remembered it. it. It was, it was a while ago and it was just this big, it was this big, crazy story. I don't know what's ever happened of it or anything since then, but that tied into it as well that, uh, that the reason they believed in this is because these women were getting raped and killed and women started worshiping Santa Muerte for that very reason, for what you just said, because they were downtrodden women who were beaten and abused and stuff. Um, and it didn't even occur to me until just now that when you said that, that popped into my head. That's I don't interesting. Know if you, I'm going
1: to have to look at that. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. have to check that out because I hadn't heard that. But that makes sense. There's actually – there's a a movie, um, kind of like a pulpy sort of movie that came out about Santa Muerte um, where that – it had definitely – focuses it as a kind of like women's cult you know a cult of like uh women who uh not in a not in a bad way but in a sense of getting revenge on men who've done them wrong kind of thing is kind of the main theme of the the movie um you know it definitely has that aspect to it most of the um the current cult leaders or at least two of the most powerful uh and when i say cult to uh it's i'm using it as a technical term i don't mean you know like Dangerous, scary kind of like cult stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it, they, it is a a sect or you know whatever you want to call it. But uh, two of the the main leaders of the group are Enrique de Vargas, um, who's in Tultepec. She has the the temple there, and then um, uh,
0: is that in Mexico?
1: Yes, yeah, okay. yeah in Tultepec. She her son was actually murdered, um, seemingly by police officials. Um, and she swore up to that point, she, he was, he was running the, the temple at the time, uh, when he was shot, I think they, they had 200 bullets in him or something oh, like that. Wow. Um, and, uh, <laughs> one isn't enough. Yeah. Right, yeah.
0: Where's your saint yeah. now?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing is now he's the first, uh, he's actually the first, um, saint under Santa Marta. So ah, he's, he's the first. Murderer. Yeah, he's now a, he's he's now a martyr and a saint. He actually has his own candles and uh, statues, wow. and people pray to him as uh, Commander uh, Commander Panther is his uh, kind of nickname. Um, but she's a she's a wonderful lady. Uh, she's really sweet, and she does a lot of work with addictions, counseling, and stuff like that. Um, there's also uh, there's a lady, and I'm forgetting her name right now because I haven't actually. Uh, Dona Keita In perhaps um, I've spent so much time with Enrique de Vargas that I'm, I'm forgetting uh, the other leaders. It's uh, Dona Keita is the other one who actually brought the um, brought the worship public with her with the first kind of like public shrine. Because up to 2001, um, Santa Muerte was definitely underground. There was not a lot of public worship of her, um, and then. Dona Keita brought forward a, a shrine at her her business. Her son had gotten out of jail and uh, had gifted her with this large statue of Santa Muerte as a as a gift and a thank you to Santa Muerte and a thank you to his mom uh, for being a devotee. And he felt that that really helped him get out of the situation he was in. And uh, so they brought that and they they created a public shrine that was in the street. And that kind of was the kickoff for uh, the sort of Public unveiling of the the devotional tradition. It, it's been around since the 1700s. There's uh, there's actually Inquisition Spanish inquisitional um, papers on the tradition. Um, you know, when the inquisitors would come over to to Mexico and uh, you know be kind of testing the faith there. Uh, there was there's mention of it. Um, it's interesting because it comes out of a lot of different streams. Um, Andrew's traced it back to uh european beliefs in la Parca, which is a grim reaper figure that Mm. came about during the plagues um in (laughs) europe actually claimed to have seen it
2: right exactly
1: yes exactly (laughs) yeah and that and that you know that's that's one of the, the kind of origin stories um interestingly enough because there's a there's a mexican drug cartel called uh the templars um one of the one of the skeletal saint figures is from um, Cla- the Bernard de Clairvaux who was the French mystic who helped bring forward the worship of the Madonna and then also helped found the Templars, actually signed the papers to have the Templars founded um, when they were, you know, the medieval Knights Guild that were in the Crusades. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux in Mexico has a chapel where his uh, icon is actually a skeleton and that's considered one of the first uh, images that was kind of associated with Santa Muerte by some devotees. So it's interesting to see the, the Templar uh, cartel has nothing to do with that. Uh, and they're not associated with Santa Muerte, but it's interesting to see these, kind of, these things kind of you know, crossing over um, into Mexico. It's, you know, and really, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, with Santa Muerte, the, the traditions are so diverse. Um, it's so decentralized. You have – there's a fellow, Stephen Bragg, in New Orleans, who has a traditionalist version of um, Santa Muerte worship that he kind of promotes and follows that he received from someone in Mexico and was taught the tradition by them. Um, And his is a very uh, strictly – strict ritual version of it. Um, There's three colors – You've got the white red and black so white being um, kind of harmony uh, peace red being passion and black being defense or um, kind of justice uh, associated with justice defense sometimes offensive work um, with you know kind of active prayers um, but very very centralized on these three colors very specific very strict um, and so Steven has that, the stuff we see from Enrique de Vargas and Dona Keita, very diverse, you know, those are from Mexico city and those are very diverse. Um, they don't, the, the color associations are much more broad. You have different colors, you have stuff, um, you know, you've got purple and green and some of the, the greens associated with justice, uh, work. You have yellow, which I think is associated with addictions. This um, sounds like magic work. Yeah, exactly. and, it's kind of, and it's, yeah, I mean, the, the folk traditions, when you get into folk Catholicism, it's very practically oriented, um, and which is why it was something that Andrew and I were actually talking about tonight, um, something we want to focus on in the future is there's a lot of scholars that are talking about this idea of Santa Muerte being a secular saint because she's so practically oriented, but what they're missing out on the fact that um, this kind of practical work and this association with magic um, – it's not secular. It's very traditional. It's, you know, you just don't find it in the kind of mm-hmm. uh, elite, high-minded theological, you know, Catholicism. But when you get to the people, um, you know, like in Italy, the Virgin Mary is prayed to more than Jesus ever is. You know, I mean, because it, she's a practical figure. And the same thing, I mean, there's saints, I think, uh, I forget what, there's another saint in Italy that's more popular than Jesus. So you it Jude? It may be Saint Jude. Um, saint I'm Hubbard,
0: forgetting. the patron saint of footwear. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. It could be. It could be. You know, it's like very you important. Do. You got to have comfortable feet. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that where product comes from? Okay. Right.
0: <laughs> Is this like um this this has this, to me this has a lot of similarities to like voodoo. Um, and the southern slavery traditions and stuff—is this a situation where you had people that were worshiping something else, and oh, that something else, and integrated into Catholicism, or was this something that was created out of Catholic? I cannot talk tonight. Catholicism. <laughs> 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 well, to
1: talk Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. We're talking in tongues. It's just yeah, you're getting exactly. into it. You know, so you be channeling. Keep going with that. We'll get some messages from yeah, the
2: other really side should. or something. The other side wants tacos. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
1: the it well you know it's interesting um that again i think i have a hard time i get into because i've been able to pursue the research outside of a kind of academic uh cloister you know um i have a little bit different view on that kind of stuff um i don't separate things out in the same kind of way that i think a lot of religious scholars would um any of those traditions of voodoo um, Santeria, the, the hoodoo, the, you know, you're talking about some of the Southern traditions of Africa, African diaspora, uh, practical spirituality. They don't so much, I, I have a hard time actually seeing syncretism because when you look at, um, when you look at medieval Catholicism, when you look at Renaissance Practices, I mean, from Rosicrucianism and all that, um, they all draw from the same kind of practical sources. Um, you know, I see it in psychical research, which is really where it keyed off when I'm looking at scientific research that's paralleling stuff you see in folk magic. You know, or where um, from the early 20th century, you see people like William Walker Atkinson, who's writing these books on, uh, you know, practical yoga. And, um, you know, uh, he wrote a book called uh, The, uh, what is it? The Something on Rosicrucianism, I forget what it's called, but it's written by the three initiates or something like that. He wrote the Kabbalion too, but a lot of these practical uh, kind of mixes of mind science and new thought with kind of practical occultism, um, you know, and you see these things feeding back into traditions. There was another fellow, um, De DeLawrence, who was writing around in the early 20th century. He was plagiarizing um, some of the Golden Dawn work, and those books were becoming popular in Jamaica and in Uganda. You know, he was, he was selling them to people in Africa. And then that was getting mixed in with folk, folk traditions in Africa. And there was, it's a very porous, um, very open thing. And with Santa Muerte, um, you know, in Santa Muerte, we're seeing the same kind of stuff where some of these books, they're new age books, or even the William Walker and Atkinson, uh, you know, practical occultism from the early 20th century, these books are still in print in popular editions in Spanish with the name stripped off them with the author stripped off them. But I can go to the botanica and I can buy this book. And it's the same book that was influencing somebody in hoodoo, you know, back in the 30s is now influencing practitioners of Santa Muerte, you know, in Mexico City with these popular press editions, Um, you know, and it's a, it's a very like porous kind of thing. Um, And really what it comes down to is, uh, you know, these, how do you access that sort of numinous other, you know, that, that, that sense of you know, that, that liminal space of life, um, with intention and, you know, with your needs and how do you kind of communicate with that? Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the color associations are definitely similar to well, and they, they're you know, a lot of them are actually drawing on the same sources that you see in hoodoo where you've got the candle magic, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, and in Santa Rio where you have a definite focus on using some of the, um, you know, the candles for the various saints. And the same sources that are publishing the books on that are the ones that are being used by Santa Martistas and Morteros, you know.
0: Is this a case of people – well, let me back up a little bit. Let me put it this way. Uh, um, This religion has been around for a while, as you say. Um, It appears to have taken this long to get somewhere. Was that because it was kind of like – an underground hidden thing at this point where it was just talked about between family members and things like that and passed from person to person and not like like a secret society kind of thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. That, that's basically how it all was. Yeah. It was a, it was, it seems to be familial. That at least is what the the sources, you know, uh, Dona Keita talks about her, her aunt being a, a worshiper and bringing that in. And the other thing too, I think that what we're seeing now with Santa Muerte is almost, it's, it's a really fascinating uh, tradition in the way that it's being brought out, because I think that the development that we're seeing is very much a development within the marketplace, the digital marketplace. Um, when prior to 2001, when she comes out and when Dona Keita brings out the public shrine, I think probably what you were seeing is people worshipping La Muerte, Right, like there's a there is a, there are Mexican traditions that deal with death. I mean, you have the Day of the Dead and that kind of stuff. It's not a not a huge leap to go from the the traditions of the Day of the Dead and some of the the ancestral stuff to having a figure of death that you commune with. There's also similar figures, uh, Ray Pascal, um, and some other figures in different parts of South America and the Caribbean that are associated with death. Um, with Santa Muerte. Um, I think we're seeing another version of that come out, but really the marketplace has played a huge part in her spread since she's, you know, become public because you have these books like the uh, the Bible of Santa Muerte and you have all these popular press books in Spanish that are coming out. You've got this amazing ability where they take um, – not, not ability, but um, they, they just take – Commercialization, but it's this great black market aesthetic where they'll just grab like a picture of, you know, I was talking to Eric Davis. You guys know Eric Davis from Technosis, and he does the Expanding Mind podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I am familiar with him, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Eric was down in Mexico and, uh, he was, he was looking into Santa Muerte and I was like, well, what did you think? You know, like, what did you think about it? He was like, it was very weird to go into a temple where you basically have like the, an Iron Maiden cover where it's just the (laughs) image from an Iron Maiden cover, but then stripped off. Right. And then Santa Muerte is written underneath it. And this is great black market aesthetic. Like one of the things that I found early on, if you go to Walmart, they're selling these Grim Reaper T-shirts, yeah. and the Grim Reaper image is exactly the same as the one you'll see in Mexico. But in Mexico, it'll have printed over it Santa Muerte, and like you know, like a glittery thing. And I can go to a you know a they sell shirts market. at
0: Hot Topic. Hot Topic. That I've I've seen stuff at Hot Topic that is is uh, Santa Muerte. Is it
1: say Santa Muerte on it or is it just the same image? It's
0: definitely like, the imagery. I don't recall right. if it does or not. I, I posted something on Twitter uh, last week about the um, – how the fashion industry is starting to take occult symbology and put it on their clothing.
1: And yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. think Joe, Joe Metheny had pointed that out to me. I think, yeah. Well, and it's also – I think I think you had posted or Lobo had posted a picture of a Grim Reaper with two guns.
2: That's mine. Yeah. OK,
1: Lobo. Yeah, so you saw that. Now, that that image – was taken by Santa Tistas and used as a, as a protection image where they also had used um, uh, stuff from Palo Mayombe. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were referencing the Palo Mayombe tradition through Santa Muerte. I mean, it's just amazing, like popular mix of, of imagery and potency. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that Andrew and I are just constantly amazed by is the way that because of that, right, you've got this, you've got, Walmart selling these t-shirts. You've got these t-shirts in Britain and stuff like that. So the second that somebody figures out about Santa Muerte or the word Santa Muerte comes in, this image is already there. And then the whole belief pattern rides that image.
0: All right. Now going back to – yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's – well, to me what it looks like is it's it's like, hey, we, let's take this and commercialize on it. The people that are into making the money and stuff like Walmart don't necessarily understand what they're doing. They're just putting it out there to make money because I've seen images of this stuff on shoes.
1: Um so well, basically, that's it, but that's but that's the thing is the Grim Reaper image is just popular on its own. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're actually like like I don't think Walmart has any clue that there's a there's a death cult in Mexico that's associated with these images and the the people the devotees in Mexico. You know, when I was doing um, collages for Skeleton Saint, you know, I do a collage for one of our stories and I would make a, an icon of Santa Muerte. And, you know, it was my own personal artwork, digital artwork, um, image of San Muerte. And it was awesome because within six months I started seeing devotees in Mexico using these images on their Facebook. They'd completely retaken the image. They'd added words to it. They had, you know, added phrases and prayers on top of it, but it was my image. It was the image that I had created. And... You know, they had taken it and suddenly now in Mexico it's becoming an actual devotional icon. And it's just this amazing like how do you, know, you feel fluid. about that? Does that
0: bother you or does that do you find that cool or
1: I was honored by it as a as the working with Andrew, it was a question that I asked him where I was like, where where do we draw the line? You know, if we're yeah. if we're researching this and now we're starting to influence it. But that's the thing with this with this tradition, because it is a folk tradition to look at it or to talk about it is literally to influence it. You cannot, there's no way that, because there's no orthodoxy, there's no official church to block that kind of stuff. It literally is devotees having an experience with this force, with this, with Santa Muerte. Um, And, you know, because a lot of the stuff, a lot of these people, they'll have a dream about her, or they will be totally afraid of her. And they'll, you know, they will be a devout Catholic who's, morbidly afraid of this santa muerte narco saint death figure and they'll have a dream or they'll have a vision or you know they'll have these synchronicities and suddenly they'll be led to uh a situation where they're desperate and they'll ask for her help and then they'll gain the help and then they become a just you know like a complete devotee of santa muerte um so it's this very fluid very interesting uh kind of tradition you know it's i've never seen anything like it really you know
0: Okay, so going back to the practitioner of the actual religion itself, this isn't like now when you say death cult or people who are actually worshiping death. To people who are on the outside looking in, that could conjure images of sacrifice and sacrificing animals and things like that. But that doesn't happen with this, does it?
1: Uh, well, yes and no, okay. uh, because it, because it is so open. Um, and this is this is another issue that Andrew and I have to. Have to, or is it like the
0: drug lords and stuff sacrifice life? Where is the common person, like the downtrodden, poor person, simply? Because when I saw the, the the shrine that I saw, there was a bottle of tequila there, there was money on it, there was cigarettes on it, right? Um, and I only saw it very quickly. I wasn't like, hey, I saw. Me and local were talking <laughs> off the air. I was, I wasn't gonna walk right. up and say. Uh, Plus our Spanish wasn't very well and I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to walk up and say, is, is that – It's not is, rude there.
2: It's not rude. I know well, that but I didn't want to Hispanics walk up and be – are very forthcoming. They're but still,
0: <laughs> I'm in a foreign country and I don't speak the language real well. Everybody that I was with were like, oh yeah, it's the Day of the Dead. But they just assumed that was what it was but I knew it wasn't. Right. But I wasn't going to walk up and be like, so is uh is that your shrine to La Morte over there? I didn't right. – you know, <laughs> what, what is rude and what is socially acceptable because I know that – the religion – you hear stories that it's shunned, that they're trying to get rid of it and they're bulldozing shrines. But on the same token, you're talking about how the shrine is out in the open and it's becoming more accepting. Right. So I didn't know where I would fall on that line. So I just did, kept my mouth you know, shut.
1: Honestly, it, it does depend. I was up at um, – I was up in Atlanta and I was doing a a story for something else and I was at like an after hours party or something and I met a guy. And I started talking about Santa Muerte. He's from Mexico City and I started talking about Santa Muerte. He looked at absolutely his face went white and he abject goes Abject horror. Yeah, abject horror. And he was like, uh, I I I'm done. He just he just looked straight up just like we we're having it, we we're we we're talking, like it was all wow. good. And then he was like, I'm done. I'm done and he walked away and that was it. And I was like, Okay, like I get it. Because wow. some people, you know, depending on depending on what side of the coin shoots, also considered the patron saint of kidnappers. I mean, there's, you can get, you can touch on some like iffy ground depending on what the people believe about her.
0: So what's um, up with the sacrificing then?
1: Well, and that's the thing. It's it is an open tradition. Um, people get crazy ideas about a death saint. So, uh, her official, you know, people like Enrique Vargas, Donna Keda, uh, Martin George, who's another uh, leader, all of them absolutely point blank refute and uh do not condone any kind of violence to an animal or a human being they say that santa muerte is about life her tradition is about um you know accepting death about having this relationship with death where it promotes life and living and health and that kind of stuff however um there are definite cases where um people have Uh, committed human sacrifice in honor of Santa Muerte have, you know, done some pretty nasty things in honor of Santa Muerte. And there's definitely an element of that that exists Um, because of what I've had access to um, in my own personal research. You know, I've never run into that. I've only run into people who were, you know, taxi drivers, grandmas, uh you know people like enrique de vargas who are helping people with addictions Um, i don't think andrew's run into any of the violent uh aspects of it i've never seen in the documentaries uh you know even from people in mexico that have encountered the more violent aspects of it and none of the photographers that i know of that have gone down to mexico have encountered the more violent aspects of it the news however you know there is uh, stories of people committing crimes uh, you know, in human sacrifice and stuff. You know, all what, are- to be
2: fair, people have killed in the name of Christ. People have killed in the name of Allah, well, Allah, Allah lately. Right. I mean, right. It, it, people take other
1: people's lives for all manner of reasons. Well, and that's, it, you know, and that really is the thing. And it's it's the other... The other thing is that there is a popular side to it where, you know, a Grim Reaper tattoo looks nice, right? You know, and if you're, Lord if me. you're, if you're, you know, and if you're, if you're a gunman or something like that, like, yeah, you get a Grim Reaper tattoo and you kill people. You know, sure. and honestly, I've got a different, um, I've heard, I grew up in Chicago, um, you know, I, where there's back, no
2: gunman ever in Chicago. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Heard so of. You know, like,
1: uh, I don't I don't have the same I, I'm a little bit more callous to that kind of stuff so to me like it's not it is what it is it's reality I mean we live in reality it'd be nice if there was no violence you know it'd be nice if that obviously I'm not condoning human sacrifice or anything like that but um, you know I mean these people that are living these lives you know especially in Mexico where it's a, a lot of it's a war zone um, we got to get real with that and realize you know that that is the reality you know I just spent a year in rural Georgia um, you know, and it, there's parts of it that are scary. <laughs> this oh yeah. World's, this yeah. world's a scary place, you know, and, uh, Santa Muerte is right there in the middle of it. And, uh, so like yeah. every
0: other religion, it already has its own denominations going on.
1: Right. Yeah. And it, it definitely does. I mean, yeah, uh, but does
2: it have 41,000 sects like Christianity does?
1: It, well, it's, it's, everybody is a different sect. It's amazing. I mean, it's the, the devotees, what's. It's, you know, if people are really interested, I would encourage them, go on Facebook. If you got a Facebook page, there's tons of pages up for Santa Muerte. Um, and you can see it's, you know, it's people from Mexico City and that, like, talking about their devotions. And what you will see is most of these people are praying for health. They're asking for help with their families. They're asking for help with, uh, you know, being in poverty and wanting to get out of it with addiction, um, you know. And it's amazing to see because she is this patron saint of the dispossessed or, you know people who are in a bad situation it's so touching to see um i don't know it gives you a good picture of what's actually going on in the world you know um unfortunately at the same time uh you know violence is one of the things that's prevalent so people will you know ask to be protected from violence and that kind of stuff you know and i think that it's interesting i wrote a story on her uh black aspect. The, the black candle, which is normally, you know, in the fear-mongering media, that's associated with cursing and, and all this mm. kind of stuff. But in traditional witchcraft, in traditional uh, folk magic, it's not a, a curse is not... It. You don't throw a curse with black candles. Well, you, you it, it's not about, it's, it's about justice, right? So if yep. you're going to like, it's always justice. So even if you're doing black magic, even if you're doing an evil or what, if you're doing it, if you're doing an aggressive spell, it's always about justice mm-hmm. and it's always about this person has violated the sacred law. And so therefore they need to be, uh, you know, there needs to be retribution for that. And so, uh, with her black candle aspect, it is associated with justice Um, That is her aspect of justice. Stephen Bragg, who I mentioned before, who does the the Santa Muerte Temple in uh, New Orleans, um, talks about it. So the white candle is the white candle or the the white Santa Muerte is associated with those who died in peace or holiness. So um, saints, you know, and people who die in a kind of a peaceful, holy manner. Red is for those who die in passion. Right. So this is who these are the spirits that you'll be working with. There's kind of a necromantic element to it in his tradition of of working with her. Um, and then the black candle is those people who died and who were addicted or who were, you know, died of violence or that kind of thing. Um, you know, and it's, it's about using those forces to, to re-stabilize and to re-harmonize, uh, the situation, you know, so it's interesting to see her, her black candle aspect, which is normally associated with violence and that kind of stuff is actually, um, the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's associated with restoring justice, restoring balance and that kind of stuff, but in a powerful way, you know? Um, and it, I do have to say my friend, uh, Elliot edge, um, had, he, he, he thought that I was just, he thought I was doing the research cause it was cool. And I was obsessed with skeletons or something, you know, he was <laughs> like, he was like, Oh yeah. You know, like I thought it was all morbid. Well, he, uh, he started, Thinking about it and looking into it, and he had this super powerful experience where he started to kind of see Santa Muerte everywhere he turned. Um, and that is something that I've heard from a lot of different people is once you kind of encounter this figure, um, it becomes more powerful than a lot of people know, which is another thing. You will see it I- everywhere. Yeah. And it will start to kind of like creep up, you know, and so he sent me a, a couple texts one night where he was like, Dave, we got to do it. We got to talk about this because, uh, you know, I thought you were just kind of goofing with this, that it was something cool to be interested in. But there's something really powerful here. And he got kind of spooked with it, you know, um, <laughs> and it, that is something that like I found is that, you know, uh, it. It's fascinating to see this tradition come up to be so popular, to be so popularized, to be using stuff like an Iron Maiden cover or whatever. But it has this. Well, I can see the it.
0: significance of it, though. You know, it's it's kind of a convenient thing, you know.
1: Right, right, yeah. And we see Eddie as you know the saint of anything but heavy metal. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Well it's it you know, and that's 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 exactly it. But then you've got suddenly Eddie is filtering this like this potent like death figure, you know, this sure. potent, like and it's it's amazing to see that power because it is I mean that's a lot of the imagery is you know, that was one of the things that I think surprised Eric Davis was a lot of the imagery is kind of cheesy, um, but there's this potency behind it that you don't expect. You know, um it is a stark contrast. And well
0: it what from what you're saying, because you've got the ones you've got two. It sounds like you have two completely different aspects of the same belief system here. Whereas one side, you've got the drug lords and things like that that are probably play, praying to not get caught, uh, are probably not get killed. Yeah, not get killed. All of those things. Whereas you have the other side, where you have the downtrodden, the poor, who are praying for protection again. You know, not to get killed. Uh, but they're praying for health and they're praying for things like that, but they're coming back, they're coming at it from different aspects and from different but, intents.
1: And you also have police officers and you have jailers and you have lawyers. She's very popular with lawyers, jailers, anybody associated with the criminal justice system. on both sides, they're very popular. There's actually a police force, I don't know exactly where it is in Mexico. There's a police force in Mexico whose uniforms include patches of Santa Muerte oh, that's so for awesome. protection. And wow, that, you know, um, that's one of the things that Andrew and I are really trying to to focus on because the media doesn't portray this. She is the, you know, and there was actually there was a, a head of a jail down there who was saying she's essentially, in some ways the patron saint of the jail of the you know, the criminal justice system itself, um, because that was a large part of her continuance. From kind of the love magic that you see in the 1940s, what you see coming out in the 80s in that is her being, uh, you know, a patron saint of the, the prison system.
0: Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free.
1: If you like motorcycles and you like comedy, perhaps you should try the Wheel Nerds Podcast. Stop that. What are you doing? I'm doing my announcer voice. It's proven super effective. It's stupid. Nope. We're the Wheel Nerds. Shut up. We're the Wheel Nerds. We're a weekly-ish comedy motorcycle podcast where we talk about everything two wheels and a bunch of stuff that isn't. Give us a listen at wheelnerds.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. Or wherever fine podcasts are sold. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to stop doing this now. My throat hurts.
0: Hey. Congratulations. You're already listening to one of the best podcasts on the internet, Project Archivist, with Rojan and Lobo, a couple of guys I've known for a long time. They put on a great show, and so do I. It's called Sword and Scale, and it deals with true crime, horrible things that have happened in this world that we live in, with real people that live amongst us. In fact, what we say on the show is that the worst monsters are real. And I think if you listen to some of our stories,
1: you too will agree. So head on over to swordandscale.com after the episode and give us a listen. And now, back to the show. Is
0: she is she viewed as an evil aspect or just another aspect of nature? Is it viewed as as like a Well, obviously they're they're praying to they're praying to Sanamorte to intercede on behalf of God, but it, this isn't like this isn't viewed as like you're praying to the devil or anything.
1: No, no, that's a separate, there's, there's a separate, (laughs) you could pray to the devil's a separate thing. We actually, there's a, there is a temple in uh, Hidalgo that has, uh, has the, has a devil figure that they, that they pray to that is actually the devil. Uh, it is Satan. And, uh, you know, they pray to that, but that's a separate thing. And that's not, not associated with Santa Muerte necessarily. That's a separate, it's just, it's interesting because in, um, yeah, in these folk traditions, there's a, there's a, a devil figure that, that pops up in, in most folk traditions, which is not the same. It's kind of like the Satan figure, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a, a trickster figure or, uh, you know, a tr- figure of uh, potency, you know, like power and that kind of thing.
0: Okay. Um, well, my mind just went completely blank. <laughs> 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 I had this thing right. I took my tongue and then boom, it was gone. Um, so... Talk to me about the whole relationship with the Catholic Church and the government down there because – I was always under the assumption that the government was trying to quash this belief and get rid of it, And so was the Catholic Church. But now that you're saying you've got police officers that have these symbols on the uniforms, that kind of flies in stark contrast to that. And especially you've got now you've got open shrines, you've got statues that are out in
1: public and things like that. well, the government, the government and the Catholic Church definitely don't like the don't like the tradition. The Catholic Church, uh, Santa Muerte is a major um, thorn in their side. Thorn in their side, and also, uh, you know, they're they're losing followers in Latin America big time to charismatic churches, to uh, traditional belief systems, um, and to things like Santa Muerte. So um, there's you know a significant number of followers of Santa Muerte. It kind of shows. Uh, it looks bad on their evan- on their evangelism when you have people claiming that they're good Catholics, but then they're worshiping a death saint. Um, you know, so, so it's kind of offensive to the, to the Catholic officials down there. How do they deal um, with that? I mean, what is, well, I mean, they claim it's satanic. They've got a whole exorcist tradition to help people be exercised once they come out of Santa Muerte, uh, you know, once they come out of the devotionals, uh, you know, to, to come back to the church and be exorcised of the demons and that. And there's kind of a whole f- counter cult sort of, uh, evangelism going on. They fall short of calling it heresy though. They no, they call it, to call it heresy. They do they do it it has been considered I, I think it does have an official con- condemnation. I don't know if it got all the way it's, up to the papal, but it definitely got uh it has been officially condemned. Yeah, it's called her-
2: herodocacy or her- they won't they they fall short of calling it heresy, which f- seems completely what is it hetero he- heterodoxy?
1: Oh, okay, heterodox. He, Right? Yeah, they they
2: they accuse them of that, but they won't go as far as calling them heretics. Interesting. Which shocks me in the fact that they probably don't want to push them completely away. I was going to say, they don't. They want to retain membership, so they're trying to pull them back.
1: Yeah. But you know, and when the
2: church stops listening to what people want, that people are going to do what they want.
1: Well, and that's exactly what the devotees say. That is exactly what the devotees say. And a lot of the stories of conversion from Catholic to Santa Muerte, um, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, I prayed. To everything the catholic church told me to pray to nothing worked my kid was sick or my husband was in jail or you know i had uh terminal disease you know i had lung cancer and i was dying i prayed to santa Muerte and i'm better now and that Mm -hmm. you know she's uh, her miracle working aspect is one of the things that andrews pointed out has been one of the major conversion points is that she's known to be effective um you know with the in terms of policemen and that or with jailers and stuff. I mean, the the government is a complex organism. Um, so, you know, I mean, like a, a policeman's not necessarily the same as an official uh, condemnation. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a policeman's just some dude who's got a badge, mm-hmm. you know, and they're worried about getting shot. They're on the front line. Um, yeah, you know, the, the guy behind the office desk who's able to kind of theorize it and think about it maybe against Santa Muerte, but the guy who's actually out there in the line of fire. Who's well, a lot of them
0: are corrupt, to recapit- too, though. There's, there's a lot oh, of corruption absolutely. in the oh, police yeah. departments down there. Well, I end um, up here. <laughs> yeah, and up here yeah, as well, yeah. Well, it's yeah, a little bit over. different down there.
1: It's a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nasty down there.
0: We, yeah, we were driving. I was The company I was working for, we were driving cars. We were test driving them right out of the factory. We actually got pulled over at one point, and the cop was like, just give me your money, and I'll let you right. go. It's <laughs> right. like, you know, we we're like, all right, right. Really take a collection together. Let's get this guy out of here, you know. And that right. was pretty much what it was. They oh, said, yeah. don't even say, if, if you get pulled over, don't say anything at all in Spanish, because that implies, you know, some Spanish, and they'll – just keep saying, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. So they'll let you go or you give them money and they'll let you go. Right. So, um, I actually had a yeah. police officer tell me down there cause I was driving at a normal, I was driving at the speed limit and a police officer at a gas station told me, he said, don't ever do that. And we're like, okay, do you want us to speed? He says, you speed a little bit. Cause if you're driving at the correct speed down there, you look like you're hiding something and we're going to pull you over.
2: <laughs> so, right.
0: I'm like, okay.
2: <laughs> right. So, you know, go and uh, go and look at my, uh, my profile pictures, David. Right, you'll see and you'll see a lot of stuff to do with the Reaper. Well, yeah, oh, yeah you're right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you've got a lot of the Santeria and stuff in well, your family. How you much do. of well, that does that to tie into this, though? Are there similarities? Yeah, we'll actually, I'd like, yeah. To, I'd like
1: to hear. I'd like to hear because the it's interesting. When I was at a botanica, um, that botanica up in Villa Park, Illinois, which is out a suburb outside of Chicago, um, the it was run by a, a Santero and uh, Santero and a babalero, um, mm-hmm. or Santera. So his wife was a Santera. He was a babalero. So they and they were running their practice through this botanica, and they were selling a lot of Santa Muerte stuff. Um, Very close. There's a lot. I, there's a lot of candle magic. There's
2: a lot of. Um, see, Santa Maria has a lot of Saint. They're probably closer indoctrinated with like straight up Catholicism. Like, right, you'll find a lot of you'll find a lot of candles used in santeria that have you know images of michael uh images of the of the virgin mary you know you'll see a lot of that because it's 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 they don't straight up come out and say look we're practicing voodoo because in essence it's what they're doing but right. it has a lot it, it, it's at one point on the island you had people that practiced the native Um, spiritual beliefs. I mean, when
0: he means Cuba.
2: Get out, I'm not Cuban. (laughs) Their sandwiches are awesome. (laughs) Go ahead, I'm kidding. (laughs) um, They, they would, when when Catholicism came through, they were pretty much, look, either you do this or you're either made an example or we'll kill you because you're a heretic. And they just said, whoa, hold on a second. We're going to, you know, we're going to follow whatever it is you want us to follow. And they put up a good front and they do; fought, they've they've been completely indoctrinated in Catholicism. But they don't. My a lot of people in my family, the older generation, they didn't forget where they came from. And you you went to you went to mass, and you went and you 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 took communion, and you you know you went through your confirmation. You did everything you were supposed to do. But when you needed help at home, and there was you know there wasn't a priest around, you you lit your candles and you spoke to your saints. You spoke to right. your, uh, for better term, your loa. They
1: right, were there which is, for you to help you. Which is what uh, santeria means: working with the saints. You mm-hmm. know, and it, and the saints are the the figures that are the powers. You know, I mean, yep. you, you see like the um the seven African powers and stuff like that. And it's the idea of it's interesting because voodoo actually means spirit. It means mm-hmm. the power of the spirit. And so it's a it's a much more direct way of working with the the powers of uh, existence. You know, like and the kind of personalities see. behind those powers. Yeah, I see you didn't same, go to
2: God. You didn't, I mean, you didn't go to a priest. You wanted to talk to God, you talked to God. I
0: see right. the same similarities with Santa Morte, though, because people make offerings to Santa Morte. They make physical offerings, mm-hmm. you know, in behest, which ties back to voodoo and Santeria.
1: Um, well, not, not necessarily. Well, the, mm. the, there is there is a slight difference, though, because with um, yeah. with Santeria, uh, there's – Differing levels of possession, I guess. So like in Santa Muerte, you're never gonna be possessed by Santa Muerte. Okay. You may have you may have lucid dreams about Santa Muerte, you may have visions about Santa Muerte, but you're never gonna actually be mounted by Santa Muerte. In mm-hmm. voodoo practice, so in um, you know, like in uh, in Haiti, in that you're actually mounted by the spirit, or say in something like Kambaanda or uh, Umbanda, some of the Brazilian traditions, uh, Venezuelan uh, Spiritism, you're actually mounted by the spirit. Um, you bring in, it into yourself, right? And it, you know, your your personality goes away. That's the the Loa, the, the spirit comes into you, um, and you're actually possessed by it. And in Santeria, um, there's there's not as much sense of possession. Um, You may go into like a trance state and, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff with IFA divination and that kind of thing where it's a question, you know, there's there's technical nuances of questions of where's the spirit entering that, Um, you know, so uh, Santa Muerte and Santa Ria are kind of closer in the fact that you don't actually get mounted by the spirit. Well, let me ask you a question about the folk saints.
0: How many of these folk saints are there? There are a lot of them.
1: Um, oh, it's innumerable. I mean yeah, that's a, yeah, that's there's there's a crazy amount. I mean, amount.
0: is there like a folk saint of the week club or you know,
1: it's it's <laughs> well, it's I mean, honestly like I yeah, I mean, well as you can see with like the Santa Muerte with uh with Enrique Vargas's son um becoming a saint after he was murdered in the tradition and you know it's folk saints are essentially when enough people focus on it and say this person has come back and um you know if we're not going to be super uh you know like western centric if we're going to look at like the world over um in asia the, the the idea of folk saints is very popular you get a lot of popular figures in buddhism um there's tons of folk saints in buddhism um i mean they're obviously not catholic saints or whatever but folk figures you know folk buddhas and that kind of thing that come out um in hinduism you have a lot of different people and you know in the hinduisms even a bad word there's actually uh but you know in the vedic traditions and that and these whenever you get into a situation where the orthodoxy is loosened um you know you have the situation where when people die or when people are, you know, followers are looking at these different forces in nature, you can get figures that rise up that represent that for the devotees. All right, uh, I'm going to
0: ask you one more question, and this is completely serious. It's going to – I know it's going to sound funny, but i, I this, this is probably the appropriate time to ask it. Um, I have to laugh when I say this. I'm trying not to, but have you ever heard of this process of people worshiping Elvis as a saint?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's a folk thing. Exactly. And that's, you know, I've, uh, with, um, I have a group that I work with called liminal analytics and that focuses on kind of, uh, you know, odd, odd areas of culture sort of stuff. Um, and one of the ideas was to look at this idea of folk saints and to kind of work with that, you know, so like Roy Orbison, right? Like Roy Orbison, like, is a perfect example of Cold War hypnosis. So Liminal Analytics works with Roy Orbison as the patron saint of Cold War hypnosis. What? You know? um, and I i sent a, yeah, I sent a devotional. Sense. I don't know if you know the band Six Organs of Admittance. But I've heard of They're... It's uh they worked with like Current 93, Ben Chasney from Six Oregons, so worked with Current 93 and um, some of the the guys from Sun City Girls and that kind of stuff. Um, huh. But uh, I sent him a, a devotional card for Roy Orbison, you know, uh, from Lemon so Analytics.
0: you're telling me that Roy not only is Elvis worshipped in certain circles as a saint, but Roy Orbison as well.
1: As well that that was something that Liminal Analytics created. You okay. know, that was something we 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 worked with that idea. That oh, okay, okay,
0: okay, okay, okay.
1: But yeah, yeah, I mean with with, with uh, Elvis it makes sense. Um Aaron Cheek, who uh is a scholar on alchemy, actually wrote up some pretty hilariously accurate uh ideas of translating Elvis's name into these different kind of Vedic structures of the sun <laughs> god. Um, you know, See, I thought
0: this was or, all a joke. I've seen Shrines to
1: Elvis, but I always – It is th- a joke, but it works and that's the – I mean that's the <laughs> – the, I mean the, the amazing thing is that it – you know, it you get into this aspect where, like, well like what it works. <laughs> you know, like you can't like uh, – you know, I was thinking about doing it with Dick Cheney and stuff like that. There's these great Tijuana Velvet paintings of Dick Cheney. Dick and Cheney. So you do believe in yeah. Satanism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as a – you know, who's a better – like who's okay. a better figure to focus as like, you know, kind of like – uh, media manipulations, you know, stuff like yeah. what uh, what Joe Matheny does, right, with the, the transmedia, you know, people like Dick Cheney, those are powerful cultural figures to work with in that sense. So you know? Dick
0: Cheney would be the patron saint of media manipulation.
1: Maybe, I don't know. I mean, what would he be? I mean, he doesn't – he's not so much a media – he's, yeah, he's a He's a cold bastard, you know, like so. What is <laughs> like, you know, like a cold-hearted, like, I don't know, the patron saint of torture, but I don't know what that's really going <laughs> wow. no. be. Like, what would – I don't yeah, know.
0: Again, this reminds me of Monty Python, Life of Brian. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: no. Why don't you all just piss off? What would you like us to piss off to? That bush! <laughs> the Messiah! <laughs> uh, all right, we're going back to oh. Santa Morte, um, since we've branched off into worshipping Chaney and Elvis.
1: Not worshipping, no, just paying paying uh, paying, paying devotions to it. <laughs>
0: That whole idea just blows my mind. That was a direction I did not expect to go. But going back to <laughs> Santa Morte, are you seeing a difference in the practitioner in America as, say, South America and Mexico?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, because I, I would is. imagine
0: it with our religious freedoms that we have in America, um, being able Received to – Received
1: religious yeah, freedoms. Per-
0: well, hey, we can worship Elvis here. Um, <laughs> we've established that. And Cheney. Um wow i would you know (laughs) how much of a difference is it up here because i know in america you've got all these websites you've got churches down and.
1: well it's interesting because honestly like the religious freedom up here if it is that like has done nothing other than water it down so that like uh, people don't get santa muerte up here um they just don't get it i mean down down in mexico it's such a there's so many like familial ties. There's so much, um, and I'm not trying to romanticize, um, yeah, I understand, but, it's, but it, it's there's a lot more heartfelt. Like, I mean, people in Mexico, uh, really connect with the devotion, really connect with it. I mean, this. Like, it's it's as know. real
0: to them as getting a glass of water.
1: Yeah, she's she's their godmother. You know, she's yeah. the one who watches over them, and she's the one like they'll they'll bring their kids to the the shrine, and they'll you know they'll be thanking her, and it's just very personal. It's very connected. Up here, um, you can see it in the in the translation of the images. One of the things when we when Andrew and I first started doing the skeleton saint thing, you know, I was I was watching the transition of the images used in Mexico for her. Up to uh, what are the images used for her up here in the United States. And up here, people wanted these like, you know, like a model with like a like Katrina Calavera is uh, uh, Posada's. image that he did it it was during the revolutionary period and he he was drawing these pictures of uh katrina calavera who's kind of like the day of the dead figure it's the the skeleton in like the big fancy hat kind of thing um you know and up in the united states people were like oh yeah that's santa muerte but no it was katrina calavera it's a completely different figure you know or they take these day of the dead skulls and they'd be like oh it's santa muerte like no that's a day of the dead sugar skull Mm -hmm. um you know or they would take a woman who was it had her face painted up like uh, a sugar skull and would be like, that's Santa Muerte. Like, no, it's a woman with her face painted (laughs) up like a sugar skull. Mm -hmm. Santa Muerte is a grim reaper, but they wouldn't, in the United States, they didn't want this grim reaper figure. They didn't want this visceral image of death. You know, down there they've got like, uh, essentially like a very well made, there's some of the shrines are, uh, you know, like medical grade skeleton uh, replicas with a cloak on them and hair and stuff. You know, these things that appear are totally offensive to people. And in the United States, people just didn't want that image associated with their Santa Muerte. They wanted this kind of soft, uh, you know, kind of like almost like Wiccan Santa Muerte, this kind of like goddess figure, you know, and it was like, no, that's really not what, that's not the same thing. Um, So it, it really gets watered down here. And there isn't the there's a lot of focus on it as a goddess figure or as a secular saint. That was something that Andrew and I've seen come, you know, people talking about her as this, uh, because she deals with so many practical elements that she's an image of a, a secular or profane saint. And, um, they just don't get that in traditional cultures or cultures that still have some idea of traditional religious practices, there's no separation of profane and sacred. It's, you know, I was, um, I had an experience at a, a Marian apparition site in Conyers, Georgia, um, where they've got a chapel in a farmhouse now to the Virgin Mary. And there was a woman in there with her poodle at the prayer kneeler. And she was, you know, she was praying and had her poodle next to her in the chapel. Um, And that was folk religion. You know, the dog's in the chapel with you. Um, that's not secular and that's not profane. That's just tying your religion so deeply into your daily life that, yeah, your dog's going to be there with you. You know, your kid's going to be crying in the mm-hmm. chapel. Um, and, uh, you, you see that kind of get washed out with, uh, some of the, the popularization of Santa Muerte. And, you know, again, like I had said before, you know, it's it, a tattoo of a skeleton, you know, with guns and stuff looks cool. Um, there's a lot more of that, I think in the United States where, uh, it's a lot of t-shirt, kind of stuff. And, you know, the candles look cool on on the shelf sort of thing, and not so much of a a real connection with it. Um, Because, you know, down there, too, the other thing is that uh, the level of poverty is incredible. People may not have enough money to buy a statue, um, they may not have enough money to buy the, the paraphernalia. So, what they're going to do is they're simply going to either draw a picture themselves or, you know, get something that looks like a which is a lot of where the, the idea of this black market or taking images from uh, cover art and stuff like that. They take what's on hand and then they use that to connect as a gateway to connect to the figure. Where up here, you know, somebody can spend 70 bucks on a statue and just that's, you know, they've got a neat looking Grim Reaper statue.
0: I've also read. And seeing that depending on what people want, it also comes down to what garb they dress it in. Um, I've read that if people are getting married or if a bride's getting married, she will dress up her statue of Santa uh, Santa Morte as a bride. Um, There's all these different aspects of...
1: Well, which is know. yeah, and that's another thing you don't see up here. Is down there, uh, they do. There's there's an amazing diversity of actually, yeah, like dressing the statue. Yeah, which is very traditional. Um, you know, um, you see that in India with Kali and stuff. They actually put garlands on the statues or any of the any of the different gods and, and god forms and goddesses and that. Um, where you actually dress the statue and wash the statue and and do that. And in Mexico, definitely that is something. Um, they have actually. Um, uh Dona Keita's, I want to say it's one of her sons, actually runs a dress shop for Santa Muerte figures where uh, different uh, wigs and different dresses, depending, you know, like a princess dress or a, a wedding dress or, you know, different stuff. You can get the, the Santa Muerte, a different outfit. You know, yeah, depending on what you're
0: wanting, you can get an outfit right. for what you want. If you want money, there's a certain way you dress. Right. Or-
1: Or even just, you know, it's very very personal down there. So even sometimes just to make her pretty, that's one of her names is La Nina Bonita, so the pretty girl, Mm -hmm. you know, so like uh, you want to make her look a little bit more beautiful this month. So you put a, you put like a a different dress on it.
2: Well, it makes sense. I mean, every, here, here in the States and and anywhere Anglo-Saxons have, you know, pillaged, there's, (laughs) there's this, there's this idea that, that death is, you know, it's disgusting, and it's, it's, it's morbid, it's putrid, it's, it's actually a beautiful, It's the other side of life. It's the transition.
0: Yeah, as I say, what causes right. the death is the problem. It's not death itself that is the problem.
2: Right. So, that's death the thing, is here. the aftermath like, of what happens. Death is being sent to you, and death is from the devil, and death is death, death, death. Well, you know, if you get right down to the root of it, death is sent to you by a God figure to bring you
1: home. Right. And that's, that's exactly where, that's where she's known as most holy death. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's exactly the kind of relationship, you know, like Dona Keita says uh, about it um, for all those people who think it's satanic. Well, when they die and they meet death, they'll have to face that, you know, like they're eventually everybody dies. Um, exactly. You know, Nobody and gets so, out of this
2: place alive.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's, uh, and there's a lot of different. It, you get a very a deep sense of that that kind of what how people are dealing with death through the way that they relate to her. You it's know, the great equalizer. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and with it, I think that in the United States, that's um, one of the major fears of our culture is death. You know, like you said, we it, a lot of people think of it as disgusting or you know foul and all this stuff, and it's so inevitable. Uh, we try to push it away even though like the, you you look on the media and stuff like that, you know, and it's, it's just, the news is just death, 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 death. Um, You know, and the TV shows and everything are just, it's, you know, murder mysteries and a bunch of like crazy violent uh, images and stuff like that. But um, really as a, as a culture, we try to push that away. Um, You know, Santa Muerte brings it right to the forefront and I, you know, uh, the people seem healthier for it. You know, well,
2: I, don't, I, don't, I understand the whole idea of your fear of your own mortality. I understand that we're the only animal on the face of the planet that is afraid of dying. Right. And I can understand to a certain degree why you'd want to push it off as long as possible, but it's an inevitability. It's going to happen. And if, if we look at it as the other side of life and of a necessity then that whole specter of evil that's been placed upon it would be lifted and it seems as though in the culture in for santa morte it would be they're they're i don't want to say they're they're grasping it better but but they're they're holding on to it wholeheartedly they're wrapping their arms around the concept because they understand that it's going to happen right but in the same token by them praying to it or or, or, or or posting a devotional to it or her, they're also saying, look, can you keep your power that you have control over at bay for a little while longer? Yeah, can exactly. You, can you That's help true. us? You know, yeah. we're, we're in pain at this point. Is there a way you can help us transition to a less painful aspect of it?
1: Right, exactly. And, and if, and, and if and you
2: take the demonization away from it, then it's going to be something
1: that that you you wrap your arms
2: around and say, okay, I welcome you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that you know, it's interesting too with uh, in traditional folk beliefs and traditional folk magic. A lot of people get weirded out by say something like hoodoo, where you've got like something like fast luck powder, right? Where mm-hmm. like um, so, you know, or gambling, some sort of spell for gambling or spell to get money. Um, in traditional folk belief, poverty is a type of sickness it's Mm a it's a disease um and so what you're actually doing is you're actually to be healed of poverty you know um so with santa muerte she covers all of that you know like if you don't have money well then hopefully she can kill your lack of money right like Mm -hmm. she can kill your poverty or do whatever and has that that power to kind of give you that uh that ability. And it's exactly what you said, you know, praying for her power to be held back so that you have a longer life or, you know, that she can kill the disease or hold back the disease kind of thing, you know, um, and, or kill your addiction, you know, uh, you know, very powerful figure to work with in that sense. And that's kind of, you know, what her devotees say, see, you know, um, and it, it is, there's the, uh, there's a really good documentary out there. I think it's just called Santa Muerte, um, that came out, a couple of years ago, um, but it's it shows pretty clearly that you know that kind of aspect. Um, there gives you a very good idea of just how integral this is to people's lives and how much it is. You know, like you were saying about more of a, a an open sense of what death is. You know, and a more a healthier healthier look at that.
2: It's true. I mean, you know, to get back to. The, the, the police battalions that are in in Mexico that that have that patch. Mm-hmm. If if you look back at you know farther back in time, like if you if you want to go back even as far as the Romans, if you wanted to have an incendiary that was with you in battle, like you would want, it, it, you would have a wolf on your shield, or you would have a bear on your crest, or you would have you would have an animal of power. Go with you into battle, hoping that you would have that strength. Right. So right. for for someone to have a patch that has her on it, you're not necessarily hoping that death doesn't come for you, but hoping that the power of her justice and vengeance would be with you as you went into that. Right, right. So that you'd be protected from not only the negative effect from the other side, but also to be able to to force her power. Um, right. I mean, I know, I know. On some of the things that I have, I have, I have different coins and stuff that I carry that have symbols of death or 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 numerals from death on them. Like I have the number thirteen tattooed on me. Right. And and I try to explain to people when they ask me why I'll carry these or why that why I have them is is if you invoke them for yourself, you. I don't want to say that I hope that that I'll have the opposite effect of the number 13. Like I won't have bad luck, but it's always been, it's always been a good number for me. It's always helped me. It's always been like, it's been a lucky number for me. 13's always worked out. Right. So I have it on me as like, not necessarily in the belief that it's going to fix things, but as like
1: an homage to, Hey, this has always been good for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it it provides that, you know, it's like a gateway to that, that, uh, you know, that concept It provides a, yeah, you know, at the very least, it's a kind of mnemonic device to remind you of that, you know, and to keep your mind on that kind of thing, Sure. you know, yeah. and it, I, it's interesting. The, yeah. um, David Heim Smith is, uh, I really find, I'm really fascinated with his work. Um, he's a hermetic Kabbalist up in Brooklyn, um, mm-hmm. and works a lot with, uh, non-dualist contemplative works, but he talks a lot about gateways, um, and, you know, moving beyond the, the physical through the gate of the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what a lot of this stuff is, is, you know, it, it puts our mind in a certain place we can enter, you know, and go kind of beyond that stuff, you know, and go into that, the actual like working with forces, which I think is the basic thing of, of sympathetic magic, you know, is using these different symbols and these different uh, evocative devices to kind of enter into that space with these, uh, these powers, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, and if you go by, if you go by what folk magic is at its root, it it was, in my opinion, and in what I've seen, it was more of a way for people to understand and deal with their daily lives. Where you went, (laughs) you went to church x amount of times a week, whether it was one or or you went two or three times. Well, when you weren't there, when you weren't at your church or you weren't at your, 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 um, temple, you had a way to be able to carry that along with you. Right. And it went, it when, when you could touch it and you could feel it and it could be a part of your daily life,
1: it made it more personal. It made it more real to you. Whereas someone also, that's, go ahead. Well, it, I was going to say it's, it, cause you, you were talking about the, you know, it, with church mm-hmm. and stuff like that. One of the things that I, I hadn't mentioned, but Santa Muerte Um, which is a really powerful aspect of that is there's somebody like, um, so, so one of the, the the fringe groups or whatever, you know, one of the, the dispossessed groups that she's very popular with is, uh, gay, lesbian, and trans people Mm -hmm. in Mexico. Um, so Mexico's, you know, still more of a traditional society, um, and, with within Catholicism, being gay or lesbian or trans is a big deal. That's you know that's not yeah. accepted. And uh, one of the people in uh, Queens, uh, this lady, uh, Ar- I think her name is Arlie uh, Vasquez, um, mm-hmm. has has a, a shrine up in Queens. And you know her background is she was uh, a trans uh, woman down in Mexico. And she went to confession and the, the priest in confession told her, um, you shouldn't even have crossed the threshold of this church, you know, you're not wanted here. Um, you know, I don't know why you're, you're even bothering to confess You're, you know, you're evil. So that to her, like she, you know, she was going for her, for her, you know, personal issues that she was having trouble with going to confession. And she was basically thrown out of the church um, and that was when oh, that she sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And so then she—that was when she encountered Santa Muerte. She had been afraid of Santa Muerte up to that point. She had a couple dreams, and uh, you know, felt drawn to Santa Muerte. And now she has. Uh, she lives up in Queens and has a healthy relationship with her partner, and that's has uh, a shrine up there. And that's one of the things that Santa Muerte—it's um, that. It, she deals with that, you know, again, this idea of godmother or, you know, this this very personal relationship that people have with her goes beyond even what the church can provide. Because there's a lot of times where, you know, the church is very theology oriented, very book oriented, mm-hmm. very uh, you know, head space oriented, Doctrine. not Doctrinal, exactly, dogma, you know, and what things like Santa Muerte or some of the folk traditions provide is, you know, what's really happening in the home, what's really happening in your heart, what's really happening in your life.
0: Well, looking on Wikipedia, it lists for patronage, homosexuals, bisexuals, transvestites, transsexuals, transgender persons, love against assaults, against gun violence, against violent death. prostitutes, people in poverty, police officers, smugglers, drug dealers, and taxi drivers. Also everyone. Well, also mariachi players and bar owners.
1: Yeah, but mariachi (laughs) players is awesome because down in – oh, man, down in Mexico, one of the things that they do to celebrate Santa Muerte is you buy a band, right? Like you buy a band to come in and like uh, (laughs) perform. But they also have these um, Aztec dancers – that it's like a like a dance troupe that does these traditional Aztec dances, like in full costume and stuff. So you'll have all these people with their Santa Muerte statues, you know, and then you'll have the mariachi band, and then these Aztec dancers doing these traditional dances. It's just incredible. It's just really yeah, cool. It also
0: lists one of her attributes as a uh, scale of justice.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: Which it's makes there. sense. The great balancer is death.
0: Yeah. Well, Dave, we've had John here for a while. Thank you very much for coming on the show and talking us about the talk to us about all this stuff.
1: Um, yeah, thank you guys for having me.
0: This is nice because nice I've to. got a really good, different angle on this than what's being put out there that I've read everywhere. It's nice to see some, you know, a different take on this and a different explanation of what it was. Because again, I go back to when you see skulls, when you see this kind of stuff, you immediately go to Satanism, evil, necromancy.
2: Oh, so bad,
0: though. I mean, it's so bad. Well, it's just it's it's the it's the American it's it's our America it's the American Christian way of thinking and the way things are up here that when you see something like this in a different culture I mean really is honestly we didn't really embrace the Day of the Dead until you know within the last hundred years or something like that up until that point we didn't understand it either. So uh, I do find it interesting and funny that it's that it's worshipped up here differently down in Mexico. I do want to ask you one more thing though. Is this primarily just a Mexican phenomena or – yeah, that sounds racist for me to say it that way but – Latin. It, it, OK. We'll say Latin. Yeah, that will work. Is it primarily this in that part of the country and starting to seep into America or does this religion take place anywhere else in the world?
1: Um Specifically with the with the Death Saints that are similar to Santa Muerte, it's mostly Latin American. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a I'm trying to think if they're saying, so Like, Are you
0: seeing like, this, this in things? Haiti? Are you seeing this done in South America no, at all, like not, Brazil? Not, and all that?
1: Yeah, they're, well, they're separate in uh, – uh, there's Ray Pascal who's a separate one. Um, I think he's in Guatemala. I could be wrong about that um andrew's actually doing more research on the, the the other death saints um but there's there are different skeletal saints that are in different latin american countries that are specific to those countries there's Ray pasquale there's another one um whose name i forget off the top of my head um but there are a couple different ones that are specifically skeleton saints um and they're they're in various latin countries um you don't really see it, it – you know. the United States itself doesn't have any like kind of indigenous uh, folk traditions that grow up like that. I mean we've got hoodoo. Um, you know. There's some
0: like, – Yeah, the, our, Pennsylvania, our contribution like, how, was um, Mormonism and Scientology.
1: That yeah, was we've America's. got Mormonism and <laughs> <but>, Scientology. <yes, laughs> yeah, yeah that was yeah, our So cont- we have a supercomputer and magic underwear.
0: Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And, Elvis. <laughs> and Elvis.
1: And Elvis and Roy Dick Orbison. Cheney. And Roy yeah, Orbison. And now Roy Orbison <laughs> and Dick Cheney, yeah. Oh, boy.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dave. I, I, I really yeah, can't express how much we've really enjoyed talking to you and how great it was to have you on the show. Um, this is something we've really wanted to do for a long time. And mm-hmm. when when you agreed to come on here, it was like when, when – because yeah. Matheny put us in touch phone. with you. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, it was totally unexpected. We didn't – and it was – you're like, yeah, I'm free. Sure, let's do this. And when Matheny said he could put us in touch with you. We were like, what? You know, we we pretty much flipped out on the spot. Where can people find you? Do you have a website? Is there a place that people can go? I know at this point.
1: I did, but then I lived in the woods for a while. So now those websites are dead. Um, They can, Twitter is a good place. Uh, David B. Metcalf. Um, Facebook, if people are on Facebook, go ahead and friend me. Um, And uh, on Reality Sandwich, I run a subsection called Limitless Minds which deals a lot with um, consciousness studies and psychical research and that kind of thing. I think, yeah, and SkeletonSaint.com, where I work with Andrew on. Right now, I I just spent a year in rural North Georgia, which kind of has shifted up everything that I'm doing. So usually Twitter um, is pretty stable, but beyond that.
0: uh, You also uh, contribute to Remnants Magazine as well, correct?
1: Yeah, Remnants. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Remnants, uh, that's that's more of like stories that Joe – and Joe Nolan and I find interesting. We kind of put up there, but remnants has definitely been a fun thing. So remnants, um, I don't know the website for that though, but, um, it's
0: funny. Um, we know Joe, I I know Joe Nolan pretty well. He's, he's, he's a fellow Michigan boy and he's on our Facebook page and we pay real close attention to what he does. He is the only person in this little, Circle that we all kind of rotate in that hasn't been on the show yet and
2: got to get him on. <laughs> we've threatened to have him on here many
0: times The question is what are we going to talk about because he's involved in so many different things that we can't seem to nail down a direct topic as to what to have him on here. I, I usually bug him every three weeks. We're going to have you on. We're going to have you on. At <laughs> this point. Send I'm him so- a
2: message at this point. I ju- I, he just posted something for me the other day. If you can figure out what we're going to have him on to
0: talk about, go for it. Because pretty right. soon I have a feeling he's going to tell me to screw off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he will. Joe's really cool. <laughs> he is. He's a very cool guy. Um, but anyways, Dave, thank you very much for being here. I Oh, thank
1: you guys. Yeah, no, I appreciate you know. this. It's always good to talk about weird stuff. So. You
0: do realize that we're like a we're like a stray dog. Once you feed us, we're gonna keep coming back. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. I would love, yeah, whatever. I mean, let's we'll rock this. That's okay. Awesome. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. Take care. Yeah, nice talking you. to you. Oh,
1: thank thanks, you guys David.
0: So that was an interview with David Metcalf. And no, it wasn't. It's for, the third time we've tried to record this. This is the third time we've tried to record this closing. <laughs> Every single time we have issue. Uh, sorry, this show would have dropped a little bit sooner, but we've had difficulties in recording here on our end. But um, yeah, fun guy, blah, blah, blah. Fun
2: um, guy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Because I've already said all this stuff before,
0: I have to go back and re-say it all again. That's funny. Uh, Next show is going to be a little bit longer getting out because we have to do a little bit more production work to it and set up the interviews and things like that. So the next one won't be out as quick. But, hey, we've just dropped, what, three two-hour shows in a row or something along those lines? This one's about three – this one's about two hours, not three.
2: This one's about um, nine hours long, so buckle up.
0: Nine hours of production long. <laughs> um, fallout from the John Teeter uh, interview. Um, I have to go over this. Well, it was a weird week in general with me, Facebook, social media, and the internet. Anyways, I had a guy that dropped me because he said I did not oh, bring any <laughs> any value to his social media experience. You're not entertaining. Um, which I can understand. I've had that same effect where I've said, Okay, this guy's not really doing anything here for me, so I'm gonna drop him, but I've never actually sent anybody a message about it. And the guy was incredibly polite. And then we dropped the John Teeter show, which so far has had a massive number of hits and downloads. It's probably our most successful downloaded listen to show to date. Mm -hmm. And it is the one that has received the most feedback of any kind to date, which you have somehow managed to dodge that magic bullet. Mm -hmm. Um I accidentally posted a picture of the 51100 IBM computer as opposed to the 5100 IBM computer, and was promptly deluged by John Teeter fanboys going berserk on me because I posted the wrong pic. The uh, normally I drop a thing at the beginning of the show saying that the phone quality and the phone call isn't so great, blah blah blah. Please excuse us. I did not do that this one episode, and was promptly barraged by everybody. David G gets a pass though. Uh, <laughs> he always gets a pass. I mean, there was a lot of good and, and there there was some bad and there was a lot of good. None of it bothers me or anything like that. I'm not like, oh my god, this sucks or whatever. I'm just glad that it got a response of any kind. Um, and it's still getting hits. It's, not, it's starting to go down to normal levels of download, which is like one a day. But... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was pretty nuts. It was to a point where Matheny actually went on his blog and posted something on there because I guess he was hearing from people as well. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the only thing that really bummed me out about that show was there was other stuff that we talked about on there that was just as cool, like the Finders Club. Yep. You know, and all the other junk that we talked about besides John Teeter, And not a lot of that has gotten any attention, really. No, it's it's not because a,
2: everybody's in an oorah over it.
0: yeah. Well, some people have. There have been some people that have have responded to it and want to know if he actually wrote that book. And I said, no, he hasn't, and mm. so forth and so on and what have you. But um, I think that's about everything that I can think of to say. I had more to say last time in the other two versions of this recording that we
1: did.
2: <laughs> but we've I wasn't. Had, we've had some developments, though. We have. What are it's, yes and uh, Duffy mom is doing better. Yes, her shoulders better. But Wednesday's in bad shape now.
0: Yes, Wednesday's eye just about <laughs> exploded. Jeez. Yeah, right after you posted the thing about retinal explosion. Yeah, go figure. Not good. Yeah, she'll be all right. I know her. She's a tough old broad. Both of She's them are. They'll be good. Tough
2: old broad. Jesus.
0: They'll both be okay. <laughs> uh, I love you. You're gonna die.
2: They're gonna come. <laughs> no, at I'm and not. Drown you.
0: No, I'm not. They both know better. <laughs> They're
2: gonna drown you.
0: Both of them will own up to that quality, so I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, is there anything else that we wanted to say or anything like that before I go? I know there was, but being that we're so uh, pressed I, for I time don't. right now, did you ever think that the name Trojans is a horrible name for a condom, maybe? No? That came out of left field, didn't it? Right field. Whatever field that came out of it just yeah,
2: came out Yeah, why would you have something that's full of tiny little men actually erupt while it's inside of where it's supposed to be safe? Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that's it. Uh, see everybody in a few weeks. Um... God, I wish I could remember everything else I had to say, but I can't because i got to go to work. And this, this is Lobo. Freedom. Peace out from the D. Yeah, this is Rogan from Detroit. Peace out. <laughs> and that's it. No stupid things to say at the end of the show?
2: Why people I must save a lot
0: on electricity? Anything that's like that? No?
2: Your Alan Poe is not a drunk.
0: <laughs> He's a heroin addict. All right, folks. Peace out. Dude. Okay, I'm used to it going a lot slower. Guess <laughs> okay, so it's from Disney. What movie is it from?